0: Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social
1: work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Latanya Simmons, MSW, has joined us. Latanya Simmons, MSW, is a native of Greenville, Alabama. Latanya has her bachelor's and master's degree in social work, both from Troy University. She has worked for the Department of Human Resources in Alabama. She also was employed with the Child Advocacy Center in Alabama, where she coordinated a prevention program. Latanya presented educational presentations to several elementary schools and to high schools, teaching students the four types of abuse, body safety, and how to speak up and report if they are being abused. Latanya is currently a therapist with Alabama Family Services. As Latanya continues her journey of becoming a licensed social worker, her hope is to start her own nonprofit organization. In her free time, she loves to spend time with family and friends, travel, and write poetry. Welcome, Latanya. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Yes,
0: thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Yay.
1: Latanya, reading your bio, I loved hearing about your creative side, your, your passion for poetry. Yes. Social work, yeah. Social work can make one hard around the edges, as you know. I'm curious, how do you stay soft to the flow of creativity?
0: So, um, obviously for me, when I started writing poetry, it was when I was in middle school, um, you know, being young and not really feeling like you having an outlet to express yourself. Um, I felt like writing became my safe haven. So even through high school and college, I would write a little bit. Um, and I feel like, you know, being in social work and obviously me, uh, the jobs that I've dealt with, it's been hardcore things you know you're hearing so many you know horrific stories that um people are going through and you're trying to be a light in the midst of that so for me writing poetry is allowing me to express myself and if I'm gonna be anything I want to be a social worker that's being a first partake of the thing that I'm teaching these families teaching you know these kids so um a lot of times for me on my job, especially at the Child Advocacy Center, I would even color. I would basically find that moment of just allowing my inner child to still come through because I didn't want all the stories and everything that I experienced to cause me to just be so hardcore that I still couldn't be true to myself. And so since poetry was that foundation for me, I wanted to find ways to still like bring that to the forefront. So coloring, whatever it was, if it's going somewhere with my nephew, like I said, in my spare time and just staying true to my inner child, that helps me to, to still stay soft, even with dealing with the hard stuff.
1: Oh, I love it. I love that. Yes.
0: How did you get introduced to poetry? I'm wondering. That's a good question. Um, I guess at the time when I started writing, I didn't realize it was poetry. You know, it kind of was just I'm writing my feelings and my emotions down. And as I kind of started, you know, in my English courses, and there were like a few assignments that we got a chance to write poetry. And so you kind of learn about the stanzas and different things like that. So it kind of developed over time. But really, it was just me expressing myself, um, writing down those feelings that maybe I was fearful to share with people out loud. So writing became my safe haven.
1: I love that. I love that. And, you know, when you were saying writing, we often talk a lot about social work being a lot of writing, right? We do a <laughs> yes. lot, I know. I think that's the most dreaded part of social work. I'm wondering, like, are you able to use your creative side in your documentation?
0: Oh, now that's a good question because I think, honestly, when I have my social work hat on, honestly, I'm just like, let me document everything because it's kind of like I've been taught... If you didn't document it, it didn't happen. So I think I don't really think about being creative, you know, with the jobs that I've had, but, um, no, I guess not, you know, it's just more so I'm documenting what happened um, and things of that nature, but I can say maybe in a sense of storytelling. So I feel like for me, um, me talking with these clients and these families, it's allowing me to hear their story. They feel safe enough to share that with me. So whoever comes up behind me that have to read this information, I want to make sure that I told their story the way I felt it in a moment when I heard it. So I guess in that sense of storytelling, I, I yeah, I can't say in that creative side. I guess I was looking at the, the beautiful side of writing poetry, but yeah, storytelling, absolutely.
1: That's absolutely it. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm glad that it came to you. And then now what I see you doing is being able to even tap, to kind of keep social work fresh and fun and being like, you know what, my day-to-day mundane things like the documentation, how can Mm -hmm. I use my creative side to still get the facts across about the client, but then to really let the, the next person coming behind me get a feel of what this story is one you're glad that the person got to read your writing right because then you, yes. you know, as a writer you can get used to people you know reading your writing but then two you really were able to tap into that creative side and convey this story for the client
0: yes absolutely so I needed that epiphany just then and I, I love really that you got it like
1: yes yes you know what I love? I love that you said, because I think we just need to be reminded, whether you do it in a creative way or whether you're just like, you know, stick to the facts, just the facts, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It is important for social workers. I I always said, let the social worker who's coming behind you be able to go to the waiting room after reading the note, you know, that you took describing the client that you met with and be able to walk into the waiting room and say, Mr. Harrison, Please come with me, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that's how I see you now writing. It's like the person who comes behind you is going to be able to absolutely know who that client is just from your writing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Latanya, what or who or what did you want to be, I should say, when you were Mm -hmm. growing up or who did you want to be most be like when you were growing up? Mm -hmm.
0: So I think, you know, when I think about my childhood dream of what I thought or what I wanted to be. um, So growing up, for some reason, I just have this vivid memory of my mom a lot of times telling me that I talked a lot when I was little and I feel like. Even now I talk a lot, but I realize that it's just a gift, you know, so I don't take it in the context that I used to, but I figured, you know, I used to also love to kind of like prove my point in the process of me talking a lot, like sometimes be argumentative. So I was like, you know, I think I maybe want to become a lawyer. I don't know. Like it's still social justice going on, but I can, you know, talk a lot. I can prove my point. Um, And then it kind of drifted a little bit when I was in high school, um, to me thinking I wanted to be a school counselor. Um, And that was geared from just seeing a lot of the things that my peers went through, Um, just feeling like personally, we didn't really have that outlet. Like we had school counselors, but honestly, all I really remember them telling us about was the ACT. You know, we got to go to college. You got to take this test. You got to, but what kind of outlet did we have as far as like, if we're going through stuff at home or, you know, dealing with mental health stuff, I never really feel like we had that. So that's kind of that little dream of becoming a school counselor. But I remember my school counselor told us, we was like, um, well, in order for you to do this, you would have to teach four years. And I was like, well, I don't want to teach. I just want to become a school counselor. So that geared to me becoming a social worker. But those are kind of two things that I thought about, you know, becoming um when, you know, when I grow up. So, but now I'm in social work. Which I is love even better. It. it is better,
1: <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I am out yes. to school counselors, but yeah, we love this is the social work. I guess. So, I love that. You're absolutely right. I remember that. I think I wanted, I didn't think about that for such a long time. I wanted to be a school counselor and found out he had to teach. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not for me. I love my teachers,
0: though. Nothing against me. Yes. Oh, you got to have
1: teachers. You got to have teachers. I envy teachers, the ones who um, get to have the summers off and and all of that. Yeah. I know they deserve (laughs) it, though. They so deserve it. They do. I love that. Well, we're glad that social work got you. So I love how you set this up. That was a great setup. Tell me more about or tell me about your social
0: work journey. How did you get here? So um, I guess a little bit um, uh, deviating to my background a little bit. Um, So growing up, you know, like I said, being in high school, that was like a pivotal point. You know, I dealt with a lot of things in my childhood, but I think the turning point of choosing social work was my first interaction with a social worker directly. Um, so with, you know, a little bit of my background, there's some mental um, illness that runs in my family um, on my mom's side. And so growing up with my sister dealing with that mental illness, it really, um, you know, in the Black family, I'll speak, you know, because I can only speak from experience. There wasn't a lot of talk around the topic. There wasn't an understanding of it. You just kind of see the signs and the symptoms of it, and you just you just live with it. You deal with it. And I felt like I just needed more, you know, because that's someone that, is close to you. You love them. You want to be able to help them, but sometimes you don't know how. No one in the family knows how, but they're dealing with it in the best way they know how, if it's calling the police or I guess a benefit of it was that I did see my sister, you know, going into rehab facilities and things like that, but the cycle was still there. And so when my nephew got in the picture, her son, her only child, um, when she gave birth, I remember, The day at the hospital, for some reason, the nurses, I can't remember the reason why, but my sister never got a chance to take my nephew home. Um, And I felt like her past in something that I'm sure who would choose mental illness or who would choose to have a mental health issue. No one chooses that. But because of that, she was, I feel like, judged off of that and was not allowed to become a mother. And I remember that drive that it put in me at that moment. And so obviously we, um, as far as my mother or our mother, um, she gained custody over my nephew, but obviously that process of that, you know, the social worker has to come to the home and make sure that it's fit for the child and things like that. And I just remember the social worker being really warm and caring. And I felt like she set the tone for allowing my nephew, you know, to be able to come home with us because what I learned from being in that side of social work, being the one that goes in a home and see that like our observation can potentially determine if that child is allowed to go in that environment based off what we see and what we observe. So her setting that foundation made me feel like, you know what, I want to be that for a family. I want to be that person that um, be the glue whatever way that looks like, if it's providing resources, if it's connecting them with different things, whatever that looks like, I just want to be that that glue. I want to bridge the gap. So um, from that standpoint, that was the turning point of me choosing social work. And so obviously my first job in the field um, was with um, the Department of Human Resources. And funny thing about that, I remember being in class and we would hear about different internship opportunities. I remember telling God, I was like, God, I ain't working at the HR. I don't want to deal with that stress. Like, I honestly, I don't. And then that was my first job. So, and you know what? I'm so grateful for it. Um, it was a hard, it was a difficult time, but it made me, it was a great foundation of making me become the social worker that I am. And so being on the other end of that, being that social worker that is sitting in a home observing, I I was able to see what that social worker probably felt like. And so um, just moving forward in my career, I've dealt with a lot of child abuse and neglect type situations and obviously being exposed to, you know, mental health cases. And it just makes me want to continuously, educate myself, become knowledgeable so that what I didn't maybe get a chance and what my family didn't get a chance to know about the mental health or about the mental illness, that they'll have the tools they need to move forward. That it's not, it's not a bias anymore about mental health. Like it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to seek help, like breaking those generational curses. So that's why I chose social work because I want to use my knowledge, my power well, actually using knowledge to be my power, to break those generational curses and those preconceived notions about if you seek a therapist, you're crazy or whatever, you know, you learn in your culture, like I want to break that. So that's why I chose social work.
1: What a beautiful story. Thank you for your transparency. You know, we, yes. as, as, you know, we talk a lot about mental health, not being a stigma, but then We have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about it, like real life story, this happened to me and this happened to my family. And we shy away from those opportunities. And for you to walk face, forward, back, straight, Mm -hmm. tall, and walk into the opportunity to really de-stigmatize mental health and mental mental health wellness. Mm -hmm. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you You're for welcome. That. Yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, I'll add yeah. this though. Yeah, Not
0: only breaking the stigma of mm. it when it came to someone in my family, but becoming a social worker allowed me to seek that help as well. Mm. I feel like that's super important because... You know, being a part of the field, I'm sure a lot of social workers can relate to this, you know, you're dealing with people and their issues and things of that nature, and it sometimes triggers some things in you, and you realize that you've maybe been covering that up for so long, and to the point to where you're in a position where you either face it, or, in other words, you either sink or drown, you um, Or sink or swim, should I say. And so for me, choosing social work was also saying that I'm going to swim. So if that means I have to also seek therapy to be able to help someone else, that's okay. To be able to deal with my stuff first, that's okay. And so I love that it opened the gate for me to really receive true healing for myself.
1: So beautiful, yes. My favorite people, yes. or some of my favorite people, are therapists. But therapists, <laughs> yes, <laughs> those are the I ones one. doing. They're holding space, <laughs> and they're and they're healing too, right? I mean, that those are some powerful, powerful human beings. And you know, yes. part of being in my community, you know, is you get get your own therapist and
0: mm-hmm. get you some
1: professional liability insurance, right? And yeah. you're protecting both your emotional, psychological, as well as your as your material career. So, I absolutely love that. And again, thank you so much for your transparency. I um I want to hear a little bit about your if you're okay with it. As much as you mm-hmm. want to share, part of one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on. Was Mm -hmm. for us to talk about this license, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So again, just being in this space of I'm on this healing journey, I'm doing the work, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of the podcast is, you know, part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast was to let other social workers know that you ain't alone out there. There's Mm -mm. all levels of us going through on this professional journey and you know yes. as little as, as much as you want to share but can you talk to us you got your MSW you built mm-hmm. a career a beautiful career you becoming expert in some ways in a yes. uh, child and adolescent therapy um with your MSW yes and
0: We're so I want to just shop. stand
1: on yeah I want to just stand on the MSW is enough is it is Mm -hmm. called a terminal degree for a reason Yes, (laughs) but we do have this get licensed uh space that a lot of us exist in as well i just want to know if you could talk to me and the audience about your licensing journey thus far
0: yes so um I guess, you know, obviously they teach us, you know, about becoming licensed, you know, when we're in school. And so, you know, there was going to definitely be something that was going to happen. But I think initially the thought of it, because it was never in my mind not to become licensed. But when I got my BSW, I was like, well, if I'm going back to get my MSW, I don't, in my mind i didn't want to take the test twice i was like that sounds crazy and i don't want to waste money and things of that nature so let me be smart in how i decide to do this so um when i got my bsw i um took obviously a year off before i went to um go get my msw and so shortly after that i was at my first job in the field and after i graduated I think some months went by, and obviously in school, you know, I think it was just always kind of determined on what you felt was best for you, but right after I got my MSW, I feel like I probably should have took the test because it was fresh on my mind, but it probably was honestly a level of fear, and then life happens. You're trying to also get a job in the field, and so it was just probably so much going on in my mind, and so I remember in the process of trying to prepare for the test, I did take Like different tests I think I remember taking Dr. D's course Um, I was able to attain I mean attend her class for free um, through my job and so I I had the material from class and things like that so it's like you have all this material what do you do with it so I um, took a couple months to study and prepare and I remember because my faith is very important to me so I remember Creating a playlist. I'm like trying to do everything to like prep myself for it. I'm like I'm gonna pass on the first try. I'm right LMSW behind my name. You know all the things that you hear people tell you to do, and I'm like I'm nervous, but I'm am gonna conquer this test. I'm gonna take it. And so when I went in, it just it was so nerve wracking, you know, because you have to sit so many hours to take it, and just so much going through my mind. But I'm like I'm gonna do it. I went to school all this time. Like I'm gonna do it. And so I remember um, when I took it and they give you the sheet right after and it failed, and it said failed up top. And I saw how many points I failed it by and I was like, so close. And I remember just feeling like, no. Um, I think it's kind of like, cause I had maybe took on this preconceived notion that like, you, got, you gotta become licensed in order for this degree to just be finalized. You gotta do what you gotta do. And so it felt like, but I've done, you know, a job in my field. I feel like I'm, I'm a good social worker. You know, I'm new to this, but I'm doing the things that I need to do to help people. But, filling that license really took a, a toll on me, and so I remember, probably a a little bit over a year went by before I even attempted to take it again, and took it again. Felt a little bit more prepared because I've been exposed to it, and filled it again, and. The the crazy thing about it, though, is like I failed it by the same amount of points. So I was like, well, I don't feel too bad, but I don't feel great either. It's like, okay, what do I need to do different? And so I will say the first time that I took the test and they tell you not to do this, or I guess advice wise, is that I went back and I changed answers. I would not recommend that. And the second time, I didn't have time to go back and second guess because I got uh, too excited about the highlighting features. So here's the little side note on that. When you uh, watch a lot of YouTube videos and, um, you know, people who are doing the licensor prep, you know, they, they highlight keywords in a scenario. And so I went in trying to just do whatever method to help me. And I got too caught up in it. And I realized that close to the end, maybe about 30 questions left, I had to kind of rush And so I feel like, okay, from this first time and the second time, I know two things that I'm not going to do. So even though I wish I could have passed on the first time or even the second time, it was a learning experience. And it's like, it's still giving me that drive to do what I need to do to take it. So, you know, I know there's been several people out here that have taken it numerous of times. So in that concept, you're not alone. And I've learned from even talking with Ms. Renita that like your MSW or your BSW, let alone both of those, they hold weight. So yes, you want to get your license, but it's okay if you're not there yet because you still can do things in the field. You can gain that experience and it does not make you less as a social worker. So that's what I would say about that journey.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing yes. your, that part of the journey so far. And I love that you said the MSW is enough because it is. I was out here living my best social work life for with an MSW for 10 years before I got licensed. And so, yes. you know, sometimes I think we get caught up in, you know, oh, you got to get licensed. But I know many a social worker who have MSW behind their ma- name making six figures. Mm-hmm. And so- wow. Yes, and and even recently, I learned through this podcast, the MSWs are doing um, travel travel contracts as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's Tori Tori Helm's episode um, that she talked about. She's on an MSW contract, traveling in Ohio right now. Yeah, so I think we I want to make sure we just put the value back on the MSW. Right. Like, don't, don't shy away from the value of an MSW. The MSW kept my kids fed for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) So we hate on the MSW, but obviously, and the MSW is not the only path. Or the LCSW is not there. Social work is such a broad profession. You know, those who are in macro social work don't even think about the clinical. Those in academics don't even think about the clinical license. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, find what path works for you. We talked about you being a public speaker. Ain't nothing about being a public speaker. Say you got to have that LMSW, right? So take your power back (laughs) from that test. (laughs) <laughs> and remember the value of what you've already accomplished and you've already accomplished such great things. And so yeah. I'm glad that you shared that part of the journey with us. Let's Hania, where where do you want to go? Just really briefly, I saw in your bio you said you would love to open your own nonprofit organization. I guess I wanted to hear your vision. Where do you want to go in social work?
0: So um The nonprofit organization concept really came from, like I said, really, I think when I was in high school, Um, I think like seeing different things like teen pregnancy, um, you know, my peers going through different things and not feeling like, and actually coming from a small town, not feeling like we had an outlet. Like, of course you have school, you have sports, you have a few clubs, because I was, you know, a part of a lot of clubs and things, but You know, as I've talked about, like with mental health, like I feel like we just personally, me and my peers, we didn't have that outlet. And so I feel like for me, being able to start a nonprofit where I can, you know, basically give resources and services to youth who are in transition to adulthood. So for me, I wish in high school, I learned the basic things of like how to write a check, like what are things I actually need, like outside of high school? Like you telling me to go to college, but if I don't decide to go to college, like what are the basic things that I need to know how to do that maybe I'm not being taught? Foundation at home is not the same, so I think ultimately that vision is just to be able to be a space to be to bridge the gap. That's the mindset that I have. That if those services are not being provided at school, if they're not being provided at home, that they have this safe haven of a place where we're bringing all these resources and services together to serve them, to make sure that they become successful youth. And not even just youth, but when they go on to adulthood, that they have the resources that Truth be told, knowledge is power. Sometimes we just really don't know and we're really not taught. And some, everybody don't know how to ask for help. So being able to provide that bridge, like that that for me is so important. So that is my why, a part of my why is to get to that. And of course, whatever other ways that God opened for me, the the public speaker, I claimed that and I love that cuz I didn't say anything about that. So I love that you mentioned that cuz that's something that I have in my mind too. But whatever way God sees fit for me to use this um degree as a driving force um to help young people, they are at my heart's core. So um that's ultimately the vision for the nonprofit. I love it. I'm just yes. going
1: to nail the hit the nail on the head one more time. <laughs> You don't need an LMSW to do that. I know. All right. We got to
0: talk how to get here. Well,
1: you know what? One step at a time. I think you just said it. You spoke it, right? That's the first step. I love it. One of the premises, Latania, of this podcast is to create Mm -hmm. community. And so I was wondering, in what ways are you part of any specific social work communities? And are there any communities that maybe you've created that you know that social workers are part of or included in.
0: So that's actually a really good question. And when I think about, I guess, you know, the social work community as a whole, I guess I didn't realize how, I mean, I did take advantage of it, but obviously school was a great foundation for me because you're amongst social work, um, you know, you know, your classmates and you have your professors. So you it's the social work world, but then it's like outside of that, you know, you really don't think about it outside of like, well, I need to make sure I continuously, you know, seek supervision or find a mentor or things like that. So, um, personally I haven't you know became a part of a group but like on my job if there's other social workers there we're talking about you know different things in the field if it's you know the code of ethics or maybe issues that we're seeing on our job or things that we can do to improve as social workers um so I guess you can say in that sense of a community I have been able to you know be a part of it in that sense and I think personally on my end is One of my jobs at the Child Advocacy Center, I was required to um, or one of my job duties was to supervise um, social work interns or not always social work majors. But so for me. I actually loved that because I was able to utilize my experience as once was an intern and the courses and the experience that I had on the job to be able to pour in other social workers coming up. So I didn't even realize, in a sense, that I was creating that environment, that social work community. So even though it's only been, I guess, through the jobs that I've had. I've still had ways of being a part of a community now obviously I would love to expand my horizon and actually become in a more of groups like the NASW or you know things like that but I've still some way somehow became a part of a social work community outside of class
1: that's good do you still keep in touch with any of your classmates I-
0: not, I guess, directly. Like, you know, some of us follow each other on social media and you know, we see something about uh someone has started a new job, we'll congratulate each other and things like that. Mm, I take that back. Actually, I kind of have some that are actually not really social workers because um it's some people that I know from my hometown that I've reached out to and from past jobs of like advice about the licensure exam. So I've had actually a lot of support in that manner of like us as social workers, we really stick together. Like I'm, I'm just speaking for our career. Like we are our profession. We really stick together. Like, you know, you can do this, you know, these are some things that I did, you know, giving that advice and encouragement. So that was a good question because I really didn't actually just sit down and realize that I had been a part of a community so long, you know, throughout my journey. So it's very important to have that support.
1: Absolutely. I think sometimes we feel so isolated that yes. we have to be reminded that, oh, yes, I do have a social work community. So I'm so glad that you remembered that you yes. did. So that's really good. Latina, I'm, I'm wondering what is one belief about social work when you started this social work journey that you feel has changed the most since you started off? L
0: on the head is this license exam <laughs> because I think I had took on the, the notation of, cause we talked about this earlier, you know, what we were taught in class by our professors and things like that of, about the importance of the license, uh, license exam that that is that's super important, you know, in our social work journey. But I feel like it's not the all be all. Like if you don't attain the license, it does not take away the work that you've done, and it does not negate your worth. It you know what I'm saying? It does not define you and who you are. It simply is just a test, you know, and so for me, even though you're told, you know, obviously they're stating the law that legally you can't consider yourself as a social worker in the state of Alabama if you don't have your license, but that MSW still holds weight. That BSW still holds weight. You can still do things. I did not even know that I could become a therapist just by having my MSW. I thought that I had to actually have my LICSW to become a therapist, like, I don't know where I got that notion from, but so breaking that barrier and becoming knowledgeable, asking questions. And I'm so grateful for you, Miss Renita, because it's like, I needed that because I, that was something held over my head for so long that I thought that if I don't get this license, you're going to get a job, but you're going to get the lowest pay salary. You're going to just not be markable. You're just all these negative things that I feel like I've told myself. And I realized that like, Throughout my journey, it can happen. It is not the end. It so that I would definitely say that that my mind has shifted in the area pertaining to the license exam.
1: and our work here is done. No, just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. I find <sighs> the value in the MSW. Now know, the social workers are everywhere. We're on Capitol Hill. Ain't nobody yes. worrying about the ASWP exam. <laughs> On Capitol Hill. We're we are in all areas and levels of work in the society. And it's not one test that's keeping you from that. It's you. And and releasing Mm -hmm. that and taking your power back on that. You know that you can all the vision that you said before is in regards to your successful, profitable nonprofit that you're gonna start. Ain't nothing about what you said you want to do with those babies in the communities that you live and work in have anything to do with the ASWB exam. So we release that.
0: Thank we you. release
1: it. It's done. And I am so excited about what where this journey is going to be taking you. I am I'm, I'm going to I'm just smiling. I can't stop smiling. If my cheeks hurt.
0: <laughs> so I know I, mine too, but I needed this. <laughs>
1: I want I think I'm going to lead us into our last question and let say I've really obviously I'm smiling so big I've really just enjoyed this conversation with you today but my last question I'm going to come back around to poetry. I'm curious Okay. This isn't the last question is a it's you know it's like setting up the last question. Do you yes. do spoken word or is your tell me more. I just want to learn more about this Poetry energy that you're sitting. In, what are you doing with it? Is it just a personal thing or is this something more public?
0: So the beautiful thing about the the growth in me writing poetry is it was simply started as me, like I said, expressing myself. I'm just getting my feelings out on paper. And it wasn't up till maybe about last year for sure, and I want to say the year before, I actually did my first um. I guess, spoken word poetry in front of people, like sharing what I wrote, like it, it was insane, but it was an opportunity that I had came across to, um, came across in Montgomery and I was super nervous, but, um, yeah, it was an open mic night. That's what it was. And I remember also last year, I had the opportunity to, um, read one of my poems, um, at a banquet. Mm. So, um, it, I knew eventually I wanted to share it with other people and I still have in mind to release a poetry book that is still in the works. Yes, I know it's like saying it out loud makes it real, but that has been something that I just, I need to just release what God has allowed me to share about my story, my testimony, whatever way you want to call it. But I just, words have power and healing takes place in our words and so that that's what poetry has been for me so it's a constant outlet i've even went to the extent of somewhat doing like voice memos and i have a poetic way of like doing it that way so it's really has evolved over time it went from me just writing to speaking in front of people um recording um just whatever way it comes out of me expressing my words and expressing how I feel.
1: Latanya, do you mind sharing one of your pieces with
0: us? Absolutely. I'll share one. Yes, sir. Awesome. So this is a poem called A Familiar Place. And I'm going to read it off of my phone if you see me looking down. I can say that this place feels familiar. It feels like I've been here before where endless cycles lay before me. It feels like I'm losing grip of reality cause I look in the mirror and don't recognize who I am. The image I have created looks distorted. If I stare at myself long enough, my heart will begin to ache. Tears begin to fall for the woman in the mirror who looks lost and feels broken. I immediately turn the lights off cause darkness feels sacred in the moment. I can cry in silence without having to see the pain in my dreadful eyes. The woman I see looks weary and worn down, but if I stare long enough, I see a fire burning. You see, sometimes my light dims a little when life gets heavy, yet I'm reminded that there's a fighter in me. This season that I'm in feels uncomfortable, but there's healing and growth happening at this very hour. To be reminded of my strength amidst weakness, to be reminded of the lessons that my pain have created, to be reminded of the power that have been given to me from past generations, to be reminded that I'm still being birthed and my identity is still being shaped in the eyes of my God who created me far beyond who my flesh can see. Thank you.
1: How beautiful, darling. How yes. beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And how how appropriate for the conversation <laughs> that we had today. It was yes. absolutely beautiful piece tonight. It was absolutely beautiful.
0: You're so welcome. Mm.
1: You just filled my cup, and I was thinking about how you know your writing fills your cup and wondering like. How do you feel being creative can fill not only your cup, but the cups of those around you like
0: you did for me tonight? Mm. I think when you think about or talk about the concept of being creative, it's something that is true to who you are at the core. So for me, writing and speaking and poetry and all of that is just who I am at the core. And so Even when I'm dealing with clients or families or whoever it is in the field of social work or whatever career you're in, and we're looking for ways to inspire and encourage them, I'm always looking at things that maybe they can't see for whatever reason. It probably has become lost or they've got caught up in the winds of life. And it's like, I don't know who I am at the core. I don't know what I like to do. I don't know what you know, excites me or what makes me feel at peace. So being in that space and allowing them to tap into that, if it's that inner child, um, it could be coloring. I'm going back to that. That, that was an inner child moment for me, but it was something for me to be creative. Um, so when you go back to the core of who you are and what gives you peace, what gives you um, what you need to move forward, then that 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 is what allows you to be creative and to be true to who you are.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your creative side with us tonight. It was it was absolutely what I think all of us needed. And thank you for coming on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Thank
0: you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work. And please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.